contemplative, the contemplative, the contemplative, 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 contemplative podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Contemplative Podcast with me, Matt Emery. And on this episode, I speak to the brilliant composer, producer, singer extraordinaire, Carly Parody. And if you're new to the podcast, you can listen, subscribe, download via Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. And please feel free to rate and review if you enjoyed to help spread the word and grow the podcast audience. So at the end of 2019, I was lucky enough to join Carly in her studio to chat about her new album, Nothing Is Something, collaborations with the likes of Douglas Dare, London Contemporary Orchestra, Jonas Bier and Polar Bear, performing at Royal Albert Hall, working with Michael Stein and Clint Mansell, her soundtrack work for The Line of Duty and The Innocents and much more. As always, there'll be music along the way, featuring tracks from her albums Nothing Is Something and Hearts to Symphony, the theme tune from Lime Duty, and if you listen really closely, you might even hear a bit of Welcome to Lunar Industries by Clint Mansell from the Moon soundtrack. But kicking things off, we start with a track featuring Era and London Contemporary Orchestra. This is The Innocence. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I think a good place to start would maybe be the new album. Um, nothing is something. Cool. Um, can you tell us some more about it? And firstly, how long has it taken? And did you did you were at Carly's studio for uh, anybody listening? Did you write it and record it here? Yeah, actually, that the, nothing is something. It's sort of been over the last seven or eight years. It's it's been a sort of a journey and a very emotional journey for me. And uh, so it. it yeah, it feels really good to, to get it out because I, I feel like it's like a closing of a chapter or yeah. a book. Um, and it's, you know, time to open a new chapter or book. Um, yeah, so that I actually recorded in quite a few spots. And I recorded here in my studio a lot of like, you know, the production of it. Yeah. Um, a little bit of piano. And I recorded like Douglas Dare, who's on Erase Tapes. Yes. And he's a featured artist on it. Love to speak about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and then um, Ira, Anna Lena Bruland, she recorded here because um, the track The Innocence, which is from the Netflix original um, series The Innocence that I scored I wrote and produced all that score and that song in in my studio here so that was during that time of scoring Uh, and then a lot the majority of the grand piano I recorded in my hometown Hamilton in Canada at a a cute gorgeous little studio called Grant Avenue Studios and they've got my ultimate piano there it's like a 1979 Yamaha C7 and it's just when I fingers touch it, it's like, I just, it feels like magic and it feels like I could write so much yeah. with it. It's so inspiring. Is that someone else's piano or? Yeah, it's owned by Grant Avenue Studios there. And, you know, uh, Amy King, who's the 
engineers she recorded and um every time i'm just like oh man i just want to take this yeah. home but yeah it, it's theirs and, and then what else oh we recorded the strings and brass in budapest i was gonna say i didn't think that would be in here uh yeah it Wait, what do you mean? As in because oh. the, the fitting the <laughs> strings oh would be... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I could... I usually record sort of solo, soloist in here. Yeah. You can probably do, you know, two, three, but I tend to stick to soloists and then go elsewhere, like, you know, Air Studios. Um, yeah. Or um, with... Yeah, with this album, it was uh, the Budapest um, orchestra there. And I brought Robert Ames with me to conduct, well, and he did. Or- yeah, London yeah. Contemporary Orchestra. He he works with them and many other incredible ensembles. And um, my goodness, yeah. And like Jonas Pierre of the band Mew, he yes. recorded in Denmark at his studio. Um, so yeah, and like Tamar Kali was in Brooklyn. So uh, we got her to record at a studio there. So it was like kind of all over the world. <laughs> and even the mixing, like Satoshi uh, Noguchi, he mixed half the album and he's based in New York. And then Olga Fitzroy makes the other half and she's based in Brixton in, in London. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've kind of started uh, talking, well, touched on the collaborations. There's amazing collaborations on there. Mm. We've got uh, Douglas Dare, Polar Bear, Timur Kelly, LCO, uh, Jonas Beer. Did you kind of have a list or ha- did that come around naturally or how did those collaborations come to be? Yeah, I, I, you know, I when I was writing the songs, I, I kind of heard in my head the tone or the vibe of the voice. And with the crushing weight of history, the track that Jonas sings on, like he was like my number one voice. <laughs> and when I was writing the lyrics, I'm like, this is Jonas's voice. Yeah. And I've been a huge fan of Mew for, gosh, you know, over a decade. Um, uh, like I was in, I was actually driving in Los Angeles and I, their track came on um, introducing the Palace Players. And I was, I was so, like, I was just so, um, you know, moved. And I thought this was like one of the coolest tracks I've ever heard. I had to pull the car over yeah. in LA and like, I had to find out what that band was. <laughs> so, so like to have, Jonas on this it's just like a dream come true and he's just such a an amazing human and a professional and so lovely to work with and yeah that was wicked yeah and so yeah everyone like yeah you kind of you have that tone and then you know you go through a a process to um you know speaking with their managers or whatever and you know working things out and it it does take quite some time because everybody else's schedules they're doing other stuff and they're busy and so to have that's another reason why it took so long. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have liked to have it out last year, but you know, as such as life, it's all good. It's out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just the. I think they're an incredible artists, and I adore all the artists. Yeah. I love um, the different voices. I mean, you've got some quite different, like the polar bear, for example. Mm-hmm. But oh, it, as I say, you've got like it gives different flavors, but it does all definitely fit together I suppose it's going to because it's your music but did you did you write the lyrics or how does that work was it a collaboration in terms of them writing their part or did you write bits for people to sing or because I'm guessing you sing yourself as well well I mean sing in quotations <laughs> uh, you know like there's two tracks I sing on there but they're quite yeah. indie quite you know the range is, is quite um, small compared to the, all the other incredible singers but um, yeah I so I wrote 
Yeah, I, I wrote the music and lyrics and produced it, um, except the track um, with spoken word artist Polar Bear, yes. Stephen Camden, who's brilliant. Um, on that track, uh, I took, I was really inspired by um, some of his, this, this one piece that he had. And so I took his lyrics and I edited them. Uh, so those are his lyrics. Okay, and cool. then I wrote the music to it. Wicked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love, I used to be in an indie pop rock band yeah. in Canada, the Toronto indie scene in my 20s. Wicked. So the whole, doing the whole album stuff and, you know, songwriting, it's always been a part of my creative process. And so I continue to do that. And I also equally love scoring for film and television. Yeah. So yeah, I want to continue those two. <laughs> Forget me. at all. I know you recently performed at Composer, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, is there any future plans to, or uh, obviously you might not be able to say, I don't know, but is there anything in the pipeline maybe to perform some of it live? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely would love to play live. Um, this It's 100% um, independent, so yeah. everything's been out of my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> at this stage, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think it would be more of uh, going through a funding route or something just yeah. because um, it's not cheap to record a record yeah. and do all the PR and promo yeah, and all that. Yeah, when you've got that amount of players and yeah, people, yeah, yeah. it doesn't come cheap. No, so I, I yeah, I'd love to. I mean, the Innocence song uh, had an amazing opportunity and we per yeah performed it at Compose Her and then also at the BBC Proms at Royal Albert Hall. Yes. Um, with the LCO, which was like, you know, I'll never forget that that night. Um, and actually next year I've, I've been asked to perform with orchestra next year, but some stuff has come up and now things <laughs> clash. So I, now I'm like so sad. Um, so I don't know if I can do it, but um, yes, I know that like the artists are would love to perform it live as well. So. Cool. Sorry, that was a long answer, but... So watch the space, basically. <laughs> yeah, watch the space. <laughs> Wait for me to make some more money. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we have to mention Michael Stein because he's yeah. done a remix at the end, which is awesome. Oh, and it's kind thanks. of... Uh, He's wicked. Yeah. Do you, do you know him or how did that come about? Because that's... Uh, yeah, I, I was obviously listening through and then the last track has... Uh, 
it's kind of like oh and I hadn't realized it was a remix and I yeah. thought it was a different version until I actually kind of looked at the credits and oh. saw that it was a remix in it oh yeah yeah that that was a super dream as well um you know I've been a you know a fan of his work and aware of all the stuff and obviously you know Stranger Things and yeah uh, and, you know just just wicked vibes and I I actually we were at there we have the same PR um, White Bear PR yes. in in Hollywood and we were recently in the summer at the same um, little get together thing party so and then we just like connected I think on Instagram and then I was like hey man this is like shot in the dark uh, would you consider remixing the track <laughs> and he was just like yeah if if like you know if the stars align and scheduling then yeah it's cool and then yeah we we kept talking and he's like. Yeah, I'd love to remix the crushing weight of history, and I, it was so wicked. And he he actually partially I remixed it out in the desert in California oh, wow. like near Joshua Tree, and I just I love it. And you know he took a video of him mixing down to tape, and he's like you know slightly slowed the tempo, and oh man, like yeah, I you know we both um, you know are excited for the future. It'd be great to work together again. Yeah. Yeah. Our fingers crossed that. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's great. lovely to move on to a bit of your soundtrack work um be okay to start with line of duty yeah um, it's my girlfriend's favorite program no in way. the whole world and, <laughs> uh, only like um i've only got i've only just finished series four okay so, um so got five to look so, yeah, forward i've got to. five uh, which will be starting next week before the new series comes out but um I was going to say, I find it probably one of the most stressful things I've ever watched. <laughs> it's so intense and I just can't stop thinking like, oh my God, imagine being in that situation. Mm-hmm. It's just, it genuinely stresses me out. Do you ever get stressed or anything having to watch that every day kind of working on it at all? Um, I think it, when I'm scoring, you know, in general, like a thriller drama compared to, let's say, something like Sick Note, which is an amazing uh, dark comedy yeah. drama... I, I though just my process. I'm a bit of a method composer. Yeah. <laughs> so I really get um, myself involved on many levels into the story and the characters. So I mean, I think the day-to-day energy when I'm working on it, it's a bit more serious. Yeah. But if I'm doing like a comedy drama, I'm gonna be laughing. I'm yeah. gonna be in a different spirit yeah. when I'm working on it. Uh, so I don't think I get like stressed. Well, I mean, sure, you get deadlines. You're going to get stressed as a yeah. composer. But um, yeah, it's, there's an intensity to it. And there's yeah. a tension to it. So I'm trying to infuse that emotion all the time. And Jed Mercurio, the creator and writer, is just such a brilliant human. And it, yeah, he he's he's creating just with words on paper this intensity and and obviously all the cast and the crew and the whole team. Everyone's so amazing on that show. Um, so yeah, it's just an 
a joy to work yeah. on that. How, uh, how how early do you come in with the music? Do you? I mean, obviously, it's going into its sixth series. Do you mm-hmm. like do you go on set or do you? Um, how early of a stage, as I say, do you start writing the music? Yeah, it's for it. it. Um, the, yeah, it's been wonderful. Like since the start, I I was brought on quite early. So yeah, they they'll do like a read through with all the actors. Um, you know, I've been to, on set a few times. Uh, shoots up in Belfast yeah. and the post productions in Belfast as well. So cool. fly up there for mixes and everything. Um, and like you know, a series one, just from reading the scripts, I was was able to sit at the piano and tinker away experimenting trying to find the essence of it and I guess I can equate it to sort of like a runaway train and sort of this downward spiral you yeah. know and and that's sort of what I had in mind creating the end credits theme and I wrote the the bones of that theme before um we sort of start started working yeah. on the picture and all that yeah that was kind of almost my next my next oh, question I was gonna read your mind uh, the Innocence as well, which obviously the theme tune is, is on your album. Did that also come before or how how did that, um, like theme tunes, where do they sort of fit in the line of writing for something, a TV programme or film? I think like the earlier, the better to get on any project because then you have more time to really yeah. dig deep. And The Innocence, I got on a, like a decent a decent amount of time, but the, the end credits theme after we, you know, we were working on episode one, trying to figure out what is this end credits thing, and and we we ended up on like an instrumental version of of the now song, yeah, and and it was oh, and, and then the episode one, it was only uh, the duration was like much shorter than it currently is, yeah. so I kind of, you know, scored it to that, and yeah. then I think when this episode two came. It was like double the length, and I was like, "Hey, um, I think this is a longer credit." So like, no, this is this is the length. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise because yeah. that opened up the conversation to, um, you know, expand it. And I, I had kind of up my sleeve recorded the LCO strings as like a longer song version yeah. as a kind of a backup because I thought maybe for episode eight there might be some amazing epic moment I could use this. So it, it actually worked out really cool because I. I wrote it as a song anyway, and I yeah. had, you know, I had these lyrics, and I did a demo vocals on it. And said, "Hey, what about, you know, having vocals like yeah. as a song?" And they were totally down with it because they wanted it to be epic, like the show. Great. And it was a very quick turnaround, but like again, the stars aligned, and you know, Martin Phipps introduced me to Ira, the artist, and she Her like voices insane. Yeah, she's she's awesome. She's, when she goes high, it's such a uh, yeah, such magic kind oh, of sound. Totally, and I felt so bad because it was so high, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she nailed it, and and yeah, I we we got it all done. I think it was like in the matter of two days, I had to book her in, get Olga to mix it, and we were able to get it in. So. It, yeah, to have us to be able to write a song, a theme song, like I love that. Yeah. Love it. Sure. Sitting in here, is there any um, kind of real staples 
of things that you use almost daily is there anything that is very important to the Carly parody sound well this green velvet sofa well, we're sitting yeah. on it's good for sleeping at late night deadline have you have you had some uh, nights where you've had to crash on here uh yeah, on the Innocence, I, yeah. there was some nights where you have to take a little hour cat nap at four in the morning yeah. <laughs> and walking home with the foxes. Um, um, so definitely piano, you know, piano is kind of my go-to to start sketching. So yes. I'm super lucky. I've got um, a grand piano in here and then a wonderful upright with a gorgeous mute, mute pedal yeah. I find inspiring. Um, obviously, you know, tech and computer to work with logic on. I've got like a lot of samples and I, you know, I really dig like Spitfire. I use like Lexicon reverbs. Um, for recording, you know, I, I've got like a Neve, a Neve there. Um, and then I've got some toys over there, some vintage pedals and a vintage amp, a guitar, electric guitar. Um, microphones. I've got a copper head there, yeah. um, and little Neumanns. And what else? Yeah, my desk is like a standing desk, so I can oh, amazing stand up if I need to stretch and change it up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, and this I love this. Um, this is like a vintage um, Roland One Hundred and One bass synth, oh, which nice. I really like. Yeah, screens are good. Yeah, screens to see the picture and you got your rocks oh my god yeah 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 I, I do love some gems and geodes and all that because I just I've just collected rocks since I was a kid now they're just look more pretty as yeah. you get older <laughs> maybe ask about Clint Mansell if that's sure, okay as well. Sure, of course. Um, I'd, I'd heard that you you got in touch with him by MySpace back in the day. Oh my that. goodness, yeah. I, I miss MySpace. I think it was the best music platform there's ever been in, in some ways. But um, yeah, from getting in touch with him MySpace, how did that kind of evolve into playing piano for him? Yeah, it was yeah one of those things where you just kind of, you know, be bold and take a chance and ask and I I was in an indie pop rock band and I you know his music just moved me so much to my core and especially Requiem for Dream so I just sent him a message and like genuinely honestly saying how 
his music affected me and how I connected with it and and I was just shocked he actually responded and then we started exchanging some music we were working on I think he was doing like a Shins remix or something wow, that's so cool. yeah and uh and then I went to Los Angeles for the very first time uh was it 2007 for like a film music tv conference we grabbed a coffee and, and sort of hung up uh, sorry hung out and yeah and and it was just one of those things it's like you know timing and being prepared and, and vi- you know vibing I just yeah. I think like certain creative people attract other creative people and yeah. you know you just kind of find your tribe as you go along and and yeah like six months later he asked if I'd play piano at the Ghent Film Festival because he wow. was performing um, yeah some of his work there which was a, such an honor and of course I was like yes please <laughs> and so were you nervous I yeah, I was super super nervous. I mean I, I get I get nervous every time I play live. Yeah. It, it's it's like kind of equally it's nerve wracking, but it's so exciting. And for me, I just I I need to push myself because it's something I want to do. And and I think you know it's so different from being in the studio as well yeah. because you're it's in the moment and you have audience feedback in the moment. Yes. With scoring for film and TV, you're usually by yourself. You don't have any feedback. You know what I mean? Like, like there's nobody sitting at cla- clapping or yeah. smiling or so. <laughs> That'd be quite good actually. Yeah, you some people to sit on your uh, green green sofa and then when you do something good. Yeah, new app idea. <laughs> My goodness. Um, uh, yeah. So it, it, it's and the energy and it's in the moment. Whereas you know here in the studio, I can edit for hours something yeah. an idea. Over there, it's whatever happens in the moment that is the performance and you can't really change it. <laughs> that you've really enjoyed mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i mean nick cave and the bad seeds a ghostine album is is gorgeous and it's very meditative and you know very emotional and beautiful and that yeah i really really enjoy that um uh you know michael stein is in a band called survive yes. so it's i love listening to their tracks and you know i was listening to i think it's called RR7349. I, I, <laughs> I think it was 2016. But there's a, there's a more recent one with a very long title as well, with numbers and letters. I'm not going to say, but uh, yeah, like so. I've been sort of listening, listening to that. And what, what kind of stuff is that? I don't know that. It, it's it's just like really cool, like instrumental, very synth based, you know, electronic, moody. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s, so like, you know, John Carpenter, uh, you know, Halloween, that was kind yeah. of 
you know that's such a great thing yeah like that scared scared me so much but i was so drawn to that as well and so the the whole that kind of 80s vibe and the instrumentation that's been a part of my childhood so this is kind of this renewed um you know um con- contemporary take on it which is really fun and um i think anna meredith is is yeah. amazing i think she's just such a wicked artist and so authentic and bold and cool and lovely and you know so her album fibs that came out this year um uh, yeah it's got it's just so it it's just so colorful and, yeah. and and fun and yeah i think that it's just wonderful and then i'm gonna go to her gig and next year so it'll be so nice to see it live and what else i, I don't know just like sometimes i just need a bit of because obviously working in music uh, you know you're constantly listening yeah so sometimes i just need something very chill and kind of i don't know like a bit moody electronic stuff there's artist called clams casino that's kind of yeah. nice to just listen to on my walk home from the studio just something to decompress yeah awesome and what do you like to do when you're not doing music music is, is i'm just there, kidding is there a um <laughs> Do you get much time out of the studio to do much else? Yeah, I mean, it is, to me, I find it is a bit of a lifestyle. I, I you know, uh, yeah, I think, you know, like last night I was at a, a concert, you yeah. know, and so I go to a lot of gigs. Um, I'm a BAFTA member, so I go to like screenings, you know, of, of film and TV. Um, I don't know, I just like going out with friends and going and having a nice bite to eat or you know, going back to Canada, visiting the family or, or go to LA, which I love and I've got lots of friends there. So yeah, I don't know. Or, or you know, even like exercise, like I, I try to exercise regularly. So like doing personal training do or whatever. Fi- do you find that's good also because you, you know, obviously being a composer, there are long days. It, it helps you mentally to kind of focus. Yeah, yeah, I think on many levels and just like physically like, when you're moving and you're sweating it's like you're you're just getting things flowing more yeah. and um and a real difference when i and i've gone out of habit and i go in and out in and out mm. but i notice that when i try and do a workout before i go to the studio yeah i'm so much more mentally switched on yeah and i, and I can just kind of focus and get straight into it whereas if i don't i spend mm. half an hour to an hour faffing before i do anything yeah I just know that i'm more mentally yeah. with it yeah, it's a it's a it's a balance, and you just gotta f- have to find what you enjoy doing as a movement activity. And I think it, yeah, it does help in general with life. And I also do like transcendental meditation, but I I have so been you know bad, so I need to get back <laughs> into it because I find that very grounding as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. And the last question is, um, hopefully you could answer, um, what have you got lined up for next year? What what can you tell us? What do I got lined up? Well, I've got Line of Duty, a uh, series six, which will film early 2020. So that'll be exciting. Um, I, yeah, there's uh, some other exciting stuff. Um, I'm really honored and excited about that. Cool. Will be happening as well. Uh, and yeah, I can't say anything, but it's great. And um, yeah, there's, and then I'm gonna be co-songwriting a track with an artist and you know the vinyl will come out early 2020 which is exciting for my album uh so yeah there's there's a whole bunch of of stuff cool yeah and where can people get the vinyl when it comes out um that will be going through a distributor 
That's a good question, actually. Um, I think it'll be... Uh, it should be online, I think. Because I know last final it was, like, Amazon and... Um, but it'll be at, like, a bunch of UK record shops. Cool. Um, and then online there should be some spots like Amazon. Sorry, that I should know this. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming and thank you for having me on your show. This is great. Thank you.